And now we get the joy of hearing from Caroline Park. She has a great sermon for us, continuing our series, This Changes Everything. Please welcome Caroline. Morning, everyone. Good to see you on this vibey Sunday. So Easter Sunday was three weeks ago. But the season of Easter goes on. Traditionally, the church um, celebrates Easter for seven weeks, uh, the time we call Easter Tide. So there's a calendar we could show you, right? Yes. So we're right there, Easter Tide. For those of us who are not familiar with the liturgical calendar and different days that we celebrate and remember, um, the calendar is based on the story of God, um, especially the story of Jesus. So Jesus' birth starts the year. I made a little illustration for you. And um, his life and death. And then three days, days later, the resurrection. Right, that's how the story goes. And then the, Luke, uh, the book of Luke tells us that he stayed around for 40 days after the resurrection and appeared to his friends before he was taken up to heavens, which is uh, what we call ascension. And then um, he, as, he was, as, he, as he ascended, he told his friends to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit that I'm sending you. So the week later, on the day of the Pentecost, they received a gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's the church calendar. The birth is Christmas, and Advent is the season that we prepare for Christmas. And the Lent is the season that we prepare for Easter, the resurrection. And then Easter goes on for seven weeks, including the Ascension Sunday and the Pentecost when we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is on June 9th this year. And Pentecost is a big deal. It sort of culminates, everything culminates the Pentecost, and we want to make this Pentecost a very special celebration. So uh, we are planning something special for everyone, and including the kids and youth. So there will be art show uh, um, I am very excited about it. Anyway, so we are in Easter tide. We're in the season in between the resurrection and the ascension. The ascension Sunday is June 2nd, the week before the Pentecost this year. So, so this is a time when Jesus hung around for 40 days with his friends after the resurrection. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Why did Jesus stay around after the resurrection? I can kind of, I can see maybe a few days or maybe a week. Forty days is a long time, so it it makes me think that there must have been some reason why he hung around. I don't know why, but I have a theory, and my theory is that Jesus's friends needed it. His friends who witnessed his brutal death needed time to fully accept and internalize his resurrection. 
Well, let's imagine we are the people in Jesus' story and don't know how the story ends. You don't know Jesus will be resurrected in three days. It would be after seeing Jesus die, so for if, if we didn't know how the story ended, we saw Jesus die, and then it would be very disorienting and shocking to see Jesus alive three days later, wouldn't it? It would be hard to know what to think of it all. They first thought he was a ghost. There's a story in Luke where Jesus eats food and lets them touch him to prove that he's not a ghost. So when Jesus died, his friends thought that was the tragic ending. Their hopes were crushed, but it would have been a familiar feeling. Around the time of Jesus, there were others in Israel who claimed to be the Messiah, then later on proved to be false. Um, So people were used to disappointments, deaths, It's like us getting hopeful about some politicians and others, and then when they too let us down, we're disappointed, but part of us feels, of course, it was too good to be true. I knew that was coming. You just kind of expect it. Expect to be disappointed, right? So Jesus' friends were heartbroken at his death, but they knew how to handle disappointment. But then they are faced with the risen Jesus. He was dead, but now he's showing up. That's confusing and disorienting. His resurrection was harder to believe than his death. So if Jesus appeared to them once, they might have doubted themselves. They might have not quite believed. Did I really see what I think I saw? So Jesus stayed around for 40 days, perhaps, to help them get used to the risen Jesus, that he really is alive with us. Because it was really important that they got that, because this new reality of his resurrection changes everything. And we, too, need the time to consider and receive this new reality in our lives. We too need help in getting used to the risen Jesus. So our sermon series, This Changes Everything, exclamation mark, during this season will be about that. We'll draw from the stories of Jesus' appearances to his friends um, and spend time thinking about what the resurrection really means for us here and now and how it might impact the way we live. And one such story um, is the story where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, which is the story of today. It's from John 20, 1 to 18. Let me read it for us. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. 
the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's really interesting to see sometimes what they include in these short stories. So the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed that the tomb was empty. For yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Women, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said, said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene is the first to find the tomb empty, and she is distressed. She almost seems more upset that Jesus' body is missing than that Jesus is dead. She was going to prepare his body for burial, and that is why she was there at the tomb so early in the morning. But now his body is not there, and she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to understand this new information. She doesn't consider the possibility of uh, that this means that Jesus might be alive because, well, that would be impossible. She saw him die. She saw uh, she was at the crucifixion. She's asked in the story twice, why are you weeping? And she answers, I do not know where they have laid him. And the second time, tell me where you have laid him. She's weeping because Jesus is missing. It is as if Jesus is her ultimate reference point. And without knowing where Jesus is, she is lost. She can't see anything else. She doesn't know how to understand the story of Jesus's life how to think about the time she spent with Jesus. She doesn't know what to think of Jesus' teachings, the stories he told, 
the, all the healings and the miracles that he performed. He needs, she needs to know where Jesus is, dead somewhere, or alive with her, to know how to understand all this, to know how to see the world and how to live on. So when Jesus calls her by her name, she suddenly recognizes him. She's finally located him, resurrected. And it changes everything to her. She now is in this completely new reality, right? Her world can start to make sense again from this new truth. My Jesus is risen. He is the Messiah, and he calls my name. Mary was a woman in the Middle Eastern culture 2,000 years ago. She was one of the women who traveled with Jesus. It wasn't just the men who traveled with Jesus and followed him. There were also a group of women who followed and traveled with Jesus, learned from him, and even supported him financially. Mary Magdalene was one of those women. She was a disciple. In popular imagination, Mary Magdalene is often portrayed as a prostitute. Have you heard that? But that's not in the Bible. Did you know that? There's nowhere in the Bible actually specifically says she is a prostitute or a a sinner. There are a lot of Marys in the Bible. (laughs) Every other woman seemed to be uh, named Mary. So there's a lot of confusing stories conflated into one And that's possibly why um, Mary is thought to be a, uh, she was a prostitute. But she is one of the most prominent women in in the gospels. I mean, we even know her name. That's not true with all the women in the Bible. In all four gospels, she is present at Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And in the book of Mark and John, like we've just read, Jesus appears first to Mary Magdalene alone. That's got to mean something. Mary Magdalene was just a woman in her culture. But with Jesus and his vision of God's kingdom, she was valued, she was heard and seen. For the first time in her life, perhaps, she mattered. She was worthy in Jesus' kingdom. She had received so much. But then Jesus died. His ministry ended just like that. And she couldn't even find his body. So she must have felt devastated and lost. For a while there was light in the world and the light went out leaving her in the darkness again. It is no surprise that she seems so much more upset in the story than Peter and the other disciple um, who heard from Mary that Jesus' body was gone, went and checked out the empty tomb, and then what do they do? They went home. That's kind of anticlimactic, don't you think? 
Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stayed around. She wanted to find out what happened. She asked the gardener if he knew anything. Even she was overcome with sorrow. Mary Magdalene had a lot more to lose than the, than the male disciples. To her, the resurrected Jesus means not only that her beloved Jesus is alive and that he is the Messiah, but also that Jesus' upside-down kingdom, where the marginalized and the oppressed are welcomed and fully valued, is real. It is truly God's kingdom. I mean, Jesus died proclaiming this new kingdom, and God raised him from the dead. God is saying, God is giving an emphatic yes to Jesus and his vision for the new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, Mary Magdalene and her friends had a place at the table. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything for her. And I believe it is the same for us. Whether we see the risen Jesus or not, changes everything. And I'm not talking about whether we believe it, it really happened or not. I'm talking about something deeper and more fundamental than that. Whether we believe in this new pattern of life where life after death is possible, where true life comes after the death. Do we believe the deep truth that the story of the cross tells us, which is love conquers death? And in the end, love always wins. When every day, the opposite appears to be true in this world. Do we believe, really trust from our hearts, that we are loved as we are? And that we are worthy because of that love. And that the person next to me, every other person in this room and on the street, is loved deeply and completely as they are. And that they are infinitely worthy because of that love as well. Do we really believe that the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed where all are welcomed and accepted and valued is the kingdom that God intends to establish here on earth as well as in heaven. Because that is what it means to believe in the resurrection, in my opinion. This changes everything. If we really, really believed, it would change the way we see. It will give us the new vision the way we see the world, ourselves, our life, others around us. It would change the way we live, the choices that we make, the priorities that we have, the way we love. If our hearts truly believed, we would live out the resurrection in our own lives. We will receive healing and life and not only that, we ourselves will bring healing to the sick, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. We will, we will see the dead raised back to life. Because Jesus came for us 
you and me, but for so much more than to absolve us from our own individual wrongdoings. He's come to bring the kingdom here to restore and breathe life into the whole world. And we're invited to be part of it. Isn't that what it means to follow the risen Jesus? But none of us is really there yet. So in this Easter season, let's spend time thinking about the resurrection reality, what it might mean for me in different areas of my life. Let's practice the new vision we're given. In the coming weeks, we will talk about different ways that Jesus' resurrection changes everything for us, the way it changes our vision, the way we think about our our self-worth, failures and successes, our calling, our partnership with God. For this week, though, we have a few have a few practical suggestions for you to start seeing and living through the resurrection reality. So my first um, suggestion is to set aside time daily to practice the new vision. It takes practice and repetition to internalize the new reality we live in, the new way of seeing and the world ourselves. It's like habit forming. It's just we just can't do it without doing it all the time. So it helps to take a little time every day to practice. I encourage you to set aside maybe five to ten minutes every day to be present, slow down, and look around and remember where you are and make a deliberate effort to see with the new vision, which is what contemplation means. Richard War, a Franciscan priest and author, said contemplation is a long, loving look at the real. Isn't that beautiful? The real is the true and deep reality underneath the appearance of things. So five to ten minutes to start. For those of us, uh, those of you who might think, so what do you exactly do during this five, ten minutes every day? Um, For those of us who uh, need a little bit more guidance in that, Pastor Sarah has created um, Easter Tide exercise for us, which is a modification of the examine. And she's going to hand it out. Uh, this Easter exercise card for us. It's really a way to um, take time every day to look back on the day and try to see things and experience things and notice things with the new vision, with the eyes of the resurrection reality. So... um, you could maybe um, set a time, a set time during the day. It could be morning before you start your day or in the evening when the day is over for you or some other break you can take. Um, you start by inviting Jesus 
to be with you as you think back on the last 24 hours. And as you review your your day, ask him to help you see signs of his kingdom breaking into your life and the world around you. And there are some, um, these questions that we can answer to try to see where we felt the presence of God and the connection and are there ways in which that we felt disconnected more and taking, um, noticing these things consistently will help us um, gain new vision. So why don't we take a little time to do this right now together? So let's invite Jesus to be with us and think back your day and answer, you can answer the questions um, on the card. So Jesus be with us as we look back on our day, give us the new vision to see things and notice things and notice you especially working and walking with us. Amen. So I'll give you a few minutes. So we encourage you to take the card home with you, keep it around for the season, and um, try out this um, exercise. My second suggestion is to be aware of the dark spots in your vision. My experience, my vision varies in different areas of my life. There are areas in my life that's easy for me to have faith and trust But then there are other areas where it is particularly hard to remember the risen Jesus and often get triggered. Um, It's probably the same for everyone. Um, Maybe it's hard to trust when it comes to your work issues or um, in romantic relationships and family relationships or in parenting or in your dreams that you're pursuing. Or maybe you tend to worry and react strongly around money, health issues, when you feel rejected or undervalued in your family relationships. It's, it's good to be aware of these dark spots in our vision. Um, we tend to have these filters that we are used to looking at life through. So spend some time thinking about that. Um, When do I overreact? Are there patterns in my overreaction? The Easter uh, Tide exercise we just did could help you in noticing these patterns over time as well. When we take note of the moments of connection and disconnection every day, um, over time that uh, the area where we feel disconnected often will emerge. We will notice those patterns. And then you can bring that to God and talk to God about it. And the awareness of our dark spots will actually improve our vision. My third and final suggestion is gather with others. 
which it feels like we say that here at the river every other Sunday. But it is really uh, another powerful way to reinforce our new vision um, is to share it with others. When it is just me alone trying to believe, trying to see things differently, that's hard and also feels lonely. But when we gather together for a shared reality, it sticks better and it's more fun. And this connectedness is at the center of Jesus' kingdom of God to begin with. And that's why Jesus also gathered with people, gathered people around him to share life together instead of being the uh, lone preacher and the healer. So gather with others at the river. There are groups that you can try out, different ways to connect, which um, are listed in your program today. Um, there are upcoming, there's some opportunities to connect this week. There are four different opportunities listed on the program. There are other groups also ongoing. Um, you can find out more about them in the back, um, in the backboard, or also, or, or you could also talk to Sarah, Pastor Sarah, about it. So let me wrap this up. This season, let's tune our hearts to the resurrection reality. Let's see with our new eyes. Let's make a conscious effort to practice and internalize it to become our own reality so we can live it more and more deeply. Let's let the risen Jesus change everything for us. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the love the complete and radical love that you have for us and for everyone, that we are connected to you and to others through you. We pray um, for this new season that we would um, be able to see more clearly, that we would uh, be able to receive from you more deeply, and we would be able to live um, through the lens of this resurrection, through the life that you've given, through the love that you give us more and more deeply every day. In Jesus' name, amen.